Hi, everyone. I'm Claudia Sarek. And I'm Zach Mack. And this is So You Want to Run a Restaurant, powered by Back of House, where we let you have a seat at the table and talk about trending topics in the restaurant industry. Well, I am absolutely thrilled to have June Rodell on the show with us today. She is just such a personality. She's got a great story. Oh, she's so much fun. She's, I mean, honestly, she has all the career credentials that I dream of. She's yeah. a master som and a restaurateur. She's the CEO currently of Goodnight Hospitality in Houston. And she just, it, it seems like everything I've read about her and from all the interviews I've seen her give, she's like a very lively person and the kind of person I like yeah. to have on my team at a restaurant when I'm working. So honestly, a special kind of excitement on my side today. Oh, absolutely. And she's the only person to be recognized separately as Psalm of the Year, as well as Restaurant of the Year by Food and Wine. So that's a pretty good accolade to, to put huge. in her hat. Food yeah. and Wine does not do that sort of thing lightly. So that's, that's a, that's a no. huge, huge accolade. And if that wasn't enough, she opened up a restaurant in 2021 called March that was actually mm-hmm. named by Esquire as one of the best new restaurants in America, which is like a huge list to be a part of. So, Incredible. Honestly, I don't think I could conceive of someone in a lab who is as accomplished as this. So what a, yeah. what a conversation this will be. Yeah, totally. Curious about the hottest technology trends coming into the restaurant industry this year? Check out the Back of House Tech Trends Report. This 12-page report is packed full of insights, from staffing and mental health to robotics and AI, loyalty programs, and understanding TikTok for your business. Visit backofhouse.io forward slash tech trends to download your copy today. That's backofhouse.io forward slash tech trends. June, we're so excited to have you on the show. I know you opened up a restaurant in 2021 in March, called March, so we can't wait to talk to you about that and being a master psalm. So thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah. June, I'm so excited to talk to you. I have a big background in beer with my experience in hospitality, but my first time I ever really cut my teeth was actually in the wine world when I first moved to New York. So I'm personally very excited to be talking to you. You have so many accolades to your name that it's like it's all too many to count, honestly. <laughs> um, and you're also you have the honor of being our very first master psalm uh, as yeah. a guest, which is a Yay. talk about a huge distinction. Um, so I just wanted to kind of we always start off like this, usually with stories about people's restaurants. But since this is a huge part of your career path, we just wanted to hear a little bit more about how you got interested in the hospitality hospitality industry and how you specifically started falling into the wine career path. Sure. I mean, honestly, I'm Filipino, so I really love to eat, but I was not gifted with culinary like skills in any way. Horrible. Yeah. (laughs) Horrible in the kitchen. I think maybe I'm just too much a perfectionist. Like I would never Mm -hmm. be able to get a plate out to you, but I love all kinds of dinings like Filipinos. I'm always like, we're kind of like the chunkiest Asians because we love it so much. Like, we just love it. And, and family style and just like that gregariousness and just where you come together um, for a meal at the end of the day. And honestly, it's usually like three times a day, like breakfast, lunch, dinner. I grew up in the Philippines, so I'd go to the market with my grandpa, who's a fisherman. And so we would go to the palenque, which is the market, like bring back the food for the day. My grandma would like prepare the meals for the entire day, and then we would just do it all over again when I was super, super young. And those are some really just visceral memories for me um, and quite important. So because I found out that I am a horrible cook um, <laughs> and because I also 
generally fall into that liberal arts college degree and mm -hmm. that all hey, equals hey, I feel yeah, that. I feel exactly. that. <laughs> that all equals like not quite sure what to do with my life you know and so i just kept going to same right <laughs> yeah i think we all are wow, yeah we could all show. go down even this rabbit still, hole even still even exactly. <laughs> what are we doing and where are we going i don't i i still don't know exactly. i'm on this podcast now that's all i know Right. I mean, I have like <laughs> so many bachelor's degrees. And I have no idea. <laughs> They're I was fun like, oh. to collect. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Debt is really great to collect. And I was like, yeah. oh, yeah, I'll just work in restaurants while I continue to amass this debt. Super smart. Um, <laughs> so I grew up in restaurants. Like, I love, I love literature, <laughs> literature degree, um, which, yeah, again, it equals like, so you're really what the good hell at are you writing menus? <laughs> exactly. I do. I do usually the social media copy for everything oh, that we that's do. Perfect. And like oh, newsletters. Yeah. So I tell my mom, I'm like, oh yeah, it's you know, that's really it's going to use. Out for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I fell in love with wine because I like I love operations. I love puzzles. I love like the flow of service. I love food. I love dining. And so to kind of just continue that education of restaurants, I started like really falling in love with wine in the front of house and. I just realized that was like this really niche thing to do. Like it was a position, the sommelier, the wine director, that's a position where you can really like, you can do anything in the front of house. So it was something that was, I think, creates an invaluability, if that's a word, um, to the restaurant, but also allows you to have like this niche kind of creative aspect of it. There's a little sense of creation. It's more curation. But it's there is that kind of like element of creation and respect of something that, you know, that's really delicious and beautiful that you have a little bit of a hand in, but not really, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so that's how that's how I fell into it. And honestly, like that was just something that helped me get more into an operational sense of business. It's funny that you mentioned that because as someone who also kind of started off on the wine side of things, I, I did feel I was never in a back of house position, um, especially in my early days. But it really did feel like you got the creative side of being in the restaurant world just by having a little say in what happened on the wine list. Um, what what was the place? Where was your first experience with that? Like, what kind of restaurant were you at where you got to experience this? Was it like a wine driven place or was it something that was sort of? It oh, was yeah. a tasting menu place. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So yeah, even better. <laughs> well, so, I mean, yeah, it's I mean, it was like in the late 90s. So I was um, went to college at University of Texas. Uh, and there is this like haunted, really old school hotel called the Driscoll. And there was. Oh, I've been there. Ooh. It's creepy, right? Yeah. Okay, wait. We have to pause. Any ghost spottings while you were doing all of your work and. Oh, 100%. Oh my gosh, you have to tell us one. <laughs> we're not even going to save this for the tasting menu. Matt is going to kill me right now for throwing this so yeah. far off script, but I have to hear it. What? <laughs> Y'all, 100%. So, okay. So, very friggin' scary. There's like. Literally, like all any, it's The Shining. There's like portraits everywhere. Eyes are looking oh, at wow. you. Oh wow, real creepy. And so, I did exactly two overnight um, in-room dining yeah. shifts because I was like, hell to the nah. Like this is not happening. <laughs> <laughs> you could feel you it. You gotta be kidding me. Yeah. You could feel it even oh, without yeah. the, the wine and without all the tasting. You're yeah. like, I could still feel it, and I know I'm not yeah. drunk. <laughs> No, it's it is horrible. And I mean, of course, like as most ghost stories go, yeah. it's like, ah, uh, I didn't really see anything. But apparently like this overnight delivery person <laughs> opened opened the walk-in and there was someone in it. And it was probably an actual 
human being what? that he was like, it was someone and they were ghost white and they were just sitting there. And then he like ran out oh and I was gosh. like, what is happening? Wow. I was like, okay, well. And, and like, we no, never just heard. a prep cook on a, on a consecutive third shift, you know? 100%. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just a... yeah. Smoking no. a cigarette in the walk. Yeah. yeah. Little did <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. A... But um, it was super creepy. So, 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 I mean, was there any, I, I, not to harp too much on wine in the beginning here, but I feel like this kind of gets foundational. And I'm also just genuinely curious. Was there like a particular angle? Was I mean, it sounds like this restaurant as a tasting menu place probably wasn't geographically limited, but like, was there a certain region that first kind of like piqued your interest? For me, it was always Italy. I found like there was like a, I'd like helped kind of approach from like a one country angle. And even mm-hmm. though Italy is a little chaotic for the wine stuff, um, it, it kind of helped me get a, a good foothold and, I was just curious if there was like a similar experience for you or if you just kind of came in with like a WSET book or just something no, no, that no. like. I, I'm like, you know, definitely like good Asian girl. I was like, I need to figure out some sort of certification for this to make this real for me. Because, I mean, we can go totally off topic, but like I truly believe in vocational studies. Yeah. And I don't really have that here oh, in yeah, the yeah. U.S. And so you kind of feel like a little bit like the other because you're like, is this a real job or is this a fake job or am I creating something? Um, but then kind of looking at truly the French model of dining and fine dining, like that's kind of where I fell in love because A, the wines are just absolutely delicious. They're complicated as hell, but, you know, it's amazing. So Burgundy was my region. And because oh, wow. it's, cause it's so convoluted and because I'm like a very studious sort, I really fell in love with just like digging deeper and then from there, you start understanding like cultural aspects, like colonialism, like all historical, um, you know, agricultural, anthropological, mm-hmm. like all of that kind of gets tied into it. And all the yummy liberal arts things that we were talking about. Yeah, I was going to say, you're, you're going right into my like philosophy mode that I always do when I talk <laughs> yeah. about wine, spirits, beer, anything. Because yep. it is, so, it's, cult- it's all, it's inher- inherently linked to culture. Yeah, so. exactly. So I just kind of dove into it and I went for it. And it was yeah, honestly like timing was really great too. Cause it was like pre-aughts, like right before that kind of surge of, you know, superstar chef stardom, there was only like kind of iron chef mm-hmm. during that time. And then it just got, beca- it became like the rise of independent restaurants became quite popular in central Texas, especially in Austin and then also in Houston. So my timing was right, and I felt, you know, frankly, I felt validated by going through certifications, and so that gave me a little bit more uh, confidence to be able to say, like, okay, I'm going to do this, when not a lot of people had yet done it. There were pioneers, definitely, but not really a lot of certifications in the state where I live. Yeah. So when did you actually move over into the, you joined Goodnight Hospitality in, remind me what year? 2019. 2019. Okay. And then, so what was the, what's the break between that and what you were doing before then? Did so you go straight? Kind of, yeah, I, it's a little bit weird. So I've always flip-flop between operations and wine. Mm-hmm. I think it's, again, something that kind of solidifies the need for your presence in, in restaurants. Um, and I mean, that's just, I don't know if you guys do Enneagrams. I am a six. I need loyalty. I need security. I need to know that I need to be there. Yeah. All of us. I'm an We're INTJ. We're doing this immediately, Claudia. We're doing yeah, this. We're I, was doing... Just saying, I feel like I have done this, but it's probably buried somewhere next to my like ENTJ or my, 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 one of those other ones too. So, but I guess. All of, all of those things. My business partners are obsessed with it and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. And now yeah. I'm like, Ugh. like <laughs> I'm in the deep yeah. end. Um, 
And I'm like, oh my God, that's me. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so I really wanted to make sure that what I was doing had hold, held weight um, within that organism of a restaurant. And I really love operations. Like, I like puzzles. I like making sure that things move smoothly. Mm -hmm. I feel like my philosophy is always like, if, if things move efficiently, it gives you time to be creative yeah. um, and to appreciate creation and all of the culture around it. So that was really what I was striving for. So I flip-flopped in my career, like, whether it was like being a wine director, mm -hmm. being a director of operations, et cetera. Um, so I was a beverage director for a company called McGuire Mormon Hospitality. That's now McGuire Mormon Lambert, Lambert Hospitality in Austin. Um, and they had six restaurants, really popular restaurants in Austin. They didn't have a beverage director, so I kind of explained that maybe they should. Um, wow, six restaurants and no bev director. That's yeah, kind of crazy. Again, it's yeah. kind of just like that weird time frame in life where, you know, no no beverage director no hr director like lots of right. restaurant oh, wow. groups are in that weird space yeah. so um it was a really really great great place to learn operations because it was so big and all the concepts were different and i really fell in love with just being able to do different concepts i get bored really easily yeah. and i just love going out to eat so well and i would imagine that opening restaurant right and i would imagine that came in handy if you started if you started good Night hospitality in 2019 then we've got the pandemic so there had to be a ton mm -hmm. of things that you learned on that journey that helped you helped you navigate some pretty pretty hard lessons and and mountains to climb during that year. Hundred yeah. percent, yeah. And and essentially, so very kind of sad story. Um, the director of operations from that group passed away suddenly, mm. and there was kind of like not an infrastructure. Yeah. Like I reported to him, and then because I had operations in my background, I just fell into this position. So. I became the VP of that company. Um, we opened June's all day, so I'm still a partner there, um, which is really wonderful. It was the first restaurant that I became a partner and owner in. Um, and then this wonderful opportunity in Houston arose through friends uh, to start a group together and really just, you know, kind of start from scratch. Yeah, that makes sense. I, um, and then the, and then the pandemic. Right, uh -huh. and, then the, and then this and then little the, thing yeah. called the global pandemic. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I mean, I guess we could talk about that for a quick second because I'm kind of, well, I, I kind of want to ask you about that because that seems like a natural progression. Yeah. What was it like for you guys going through, because with so much on your plate and so much kind of, especially someone who's got the, the wine focus thing down, so much of that element of it is removed from the dining experience for people who had to take things kind of to a delivery focus or, or switch to like outdoor dining, like what was mm -hmm. that experience like for you and your in your managerial aspect, your operational side of, of things, but also on the beverage side of things? Like what what was it like for you? Oh, I don't I mean, friggin' hard, <laughs> just like everybody else, I think. Um, like, I mean, I'm not gonna I, we were very lucky um because we were in the process of opening or had just opened. So we were able to tie in our identity to what we did during the pandemic, which I think was good and bad. And, you know, right now we're looking at it in a really great and positive way because we came out of it alive and continuing to open things. So, you know, it, I think that there was definitely mistakes made, but who didn't make any? We like try to throw every, like it's like creating a business plan every day, especially when you are trying trying to create your identity as a new group. And I mean, we didn't we were a new group plus opening three concepts simultaneously. Like I, I recommend that not at all for any. Yeah, that's <laughs> a lot. Oh my God. That's a lot. I uh, just got stressed. My blood pressure just yeah. went up thinking about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. My poor business partner, Felipe, is like, God, your brain, like, 
someone told me this once it was it, and it, unfortunately they told me after the pandemic like most people who are in leadership positions or in ceo positions like their brain peaks at a place where everyone is already going downhill so you have to like really understand that like i'm revving up mm -hmm. while people are tired or because i'm like let's go like we've got to we've got to push through this and so it really helped me to understand to like look at the team and see where their stamina is because I was ready to change and pivot, you know, hate that term, but you know, pivot over and over and over again because I was just like, okay, that didn't work. Next, next iteration of this experiment that didn't work. Next iteration, let's get better. Let's get better. And people do need, you know, they need time to rest between their reps. Sometimes I don't. It's hard. One of the harder things to learn, honestly, right? Yeah. I've... Yeah. Well, speaking of opening restaurants, <laughs> we can talk about the <laughs> the most recent one just so we can hone in on a little bit because it is a stressful act. And I'm glad you see it that way. Sorry, because I'm not laughing at you. It's a lot of work. Oh, sorry, I'm laughing no, at our funny transitions sometimes. <laughs> I know. I like. I'm really digging the energy of this conversation because I feel like you and I are on a very similar wavelength. <laughs> the way we approach projects, I got to be totally honest. Um, but speaking of which, you've been involved in a lot of very highly successful restaurants, including March, which we were talking about earlier. Um, and I have you another one that's opening up. So yes. uh, next uh, sometime this year. Mm -hmm. So I was wondering what, like that, what have you learned in the past other than the don't take on too much element of it, or even including that? I don't care. Um, what have you learned in the past that you're putting towards this new project? So I, this is a project. And talk about the project too. I mean, I'd love to hear yeah. about it. Sure. It's going to be called the Marigold Club. Um, and it's actually, it's intercontinental cuisine. We really look at our restaurants as a restaurant group. Like everything has to deal with like the bigger organism. It's not just going to be like there is one functioning restaurant. Like we all have to work together and then each of the little pieces have to work and function together in some aspect. So we're really lucky. We have like a space um, in the middle of Montrose, which is a really eclectic um, old school neighborhood in Houston that has a lot of a lot of vibe to it. It's really, really great. Um, and kind of like a, a whole city block. So our buildings are next to each other. So it kind of creates this lovely little village. Mm. And when you're looking at a village, you're like, okay, we need a doctor and then library, you know, Starbucks, haha, <laughs> or whatever. So we're kind of looking at our village of what's missing. Mm -hmm. And also I think the most important thing is what do people want to do? Yeah within our village right like you don't need i don't know i went to bone once in burgundy and there's like five thousand optologists i don't op optometrists huh. i don't know why? there's lots of eyeglass I, 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 see i was like <laughs> why i'm like what, what? optimal that's what i don't something understand. in the water there that's like a cataract yeah, yeah I don't know everyone, everyone needs glasses okay and i was like okay well we don't need that like you know like i love going to hugo's next door so i don't really need like to go to another place i want to support my neighbors down the street, right. you know, so our dream as a company is to open things with really talented people mm -hmm. that want to learn how to own their own restaurants because a lot of people don't have the means to go to Cornell or CIA, you know, and there's a lot of talented people out there that are wonderful chefs, managers, etc. that don't have that opportunity. So this is actually the first of what I hope and what we hope will be other projects where we partner with other people in our community. So we actually uh, partnered with a chef who was at 
this really just staple fine dining restaurant called Tony's. And his contract was coming up. Um, my business partners have followed him since he started there. Uh, we really like him. We jive with him. And so we brought him on and was like, what, what do you want to do? And we're kind of feeling this. We have this building, but we need it to all make sense mm -hmm. together as a group so that from the top, from the partnership, it can flow down to show that collaboration. Um, so that is really what our group is about. And in this case, we went to London, fell in love with it. Um, love like that intercontinental kind of London salon style cuisine. Yeah. Long lunches, long brunches, et cetera. And with like a little bit of a French twist. And so that is really what kind of fits too with what we have. We have a tasting room menu. We have a wine and cheese retail shop and wine bar. And then we have a casual kind of European like comfort food eatery with open fire. Mm. So this little niche worked well within that bigger within that bigger community. And so that's what we're opening. I'm really excited. That's really cool. I was also, I live. I'm not going to lie. I'm thinking about flights to Houston as we speak. <laughs> Please I'm do. I mean, <laughs> we got four places for you to eat so, yeah. and, and drink at. Yeah. Could make a whole weekend yeah. out of it. I, live, I lived in London for a very long time and uh, I didn't, I, wine, a glass of wine or a pint with lunch is the standard over there. So, you yeah. know, I, I would, I would love to stop by and, and uh, to your restaurant in Houston or the, the concept that you have. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's weird because, like, I'm not, I'm not a chef. Most chefs are just like, I do Italian food. Like, my business right, partner, yeah. Felipe, is Italian-Mexican, so you better believe that he's got that down, you know? But there's so much room for more, and we love – I mean, we're both immigrants. We both, like, grew up in different countries. Like, we both kind of, you know, didn't know what the hell we were doing mm -hmm. when we were kids and just trying to figure out, like, how to speak English, essentially, and fell in love with restaurants somehow because we were just so in love with – hospitality like his his mom worked in hotels i mean me i'm just you know a fatty so i <laughs> eat and so i i just honestly like it it's it, there's only so much that you can do with like the little thing that you're an expert mm -hmm. at and our philosophy is just like finding really great talent and becoming something bigger yeah. with them like bringing them along making them a partner like i mean and it's not easy honestly well, actually, that's like our next question. One of the things that we have to ask you, I was wondering, what is the advice you give to people yeah. like this? Because it's like, that's a huge part of a, of a my, in my opinion, the mark of a truly great restaurant group are the ones that nurture and elevate, you know, from within and, and try to teach people what's going on. What What is your advice to people usually uh, when you're when you're bringing someone like that in that you're trying to kind of mentor and, and bring alongside you? Uh, it's got they've got to be open minded and understand that it's not gonna be perfect. You know, I think a lot of people, it's hard because I think when you hear the word partner, I, I remember thinking this with my friends in Austin who were like, I'm a partner. And I was like, wow, that's so amazing. I wanna be a partner one day. But I didn't really understand that that really meant taking on a lot of debt, mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. There go my college days again, right? Like PTSD. Yeah. But, and some people don't think of it that way. So I, I think it's just really important to just like, the advice is to really understand what you're getting into yeah. business-wise so that you can pursue your passion. And sometimes people don't know that this is their passion. They, they're like, some people are built to be executive chefs at someone else's restaurants because they love guidelines and that is awesome. And I mean, we have definitely, it's not an easy 
honestly, it's not an easy track to say like this is what we want to do because we've had to part ways with people that are like this is this is not the track for you, right? right? Like you're mm-hmm. going to be better following somebody and you're going to be amazing at right. it. And, you know, I, like I say, I'm pretty sure my staff or our staff really hates hearing this, but they'll, I'll say like, I'm really sorry. Like it's a different kind of company. You've, you got to be willing to look yourself in the mirror to work here. And it's okay if that's really scary and hard for you. But as long as you're willing to do it, like we can get through it. And we've had success stories and we've had not so successful stories. Yeah that way but at least we know kind of what we want to do yeah it's kind of like when you think about the startup world and the entrepreneur like i mean restaurants are like in like startups in of themselves and entrepreneurs i mean it's like you've got the support systems the people that are supporting it and then you've got like the builders and the visionaries and so i think that you fall into one of the two but you've got to be able to roll with the punches and ride the wave a little bit because there's so many twists and turns and so um although i've not opened my own restaurant before i can only i mean zach you certainly have and so i can only imagine i mean don't do it <laughs> so you want to run a restaurant no i do not it's, no yeah no, just kidding, true, right? yeah, exactly. just kidding. Answering very existential point in the podcast already here um i think yeah honestly and i've talked to a lot of people i mean with my own experiences same thing you always find people who aren't a fit for the job you hired them right. for and mm-hmm. being able to realize that and kind of like guide them someplace else or just like you know, get them where they need to be. That's just as important for them as it is for you too. Um, I think so too. It doesn't make it any easier. Mm -hmm. It's hard. No, it's so hard. Nobody wants to be a bad person. Intrinsically in hospitality, you absolutely want to be the most popular kid in school. (laughs) Like that's why. Oh yeah. Right. Oh, totally. And it it goes against any kind of anyone's brains. Like I I talk to a lot of people not in hospitality so I can see how businesses run elsewhere (laughs) to make that comparison. And I try to make that as, hospitable as possible but there are like a lot of hard decisions that have to be made and it's really difficult it's a lot of talking like nobody wants to do that but we because we talk to guests all day long and that's energy sucking for some of us in a good way and but you have to take the time to talk to your team and a lot of them are not going to get it and that's okay but at least they've heard it once so that they can understand maybe in the future or it'll touch them and in certain ways, it'll like, you know, it'll resonate somehow in the future when they do find like their forever place. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we'd be remiss not to mention that you also have your own private wine label. Um, oh, yeah. How yeah, and yeah. when did that all come about? Because I feel like you've got all this other stuff going on. Then we now actually this. did it six years ago. Oh, wow. Kind of quietly. Wow. Okay. Yep. Um, so essentially, again, like, found something or couldn't find something that I wanted and that other people wanted. And there was enough other people that wanted it that I was like, maybe we should do yeah. Um And so at the urging of people from McGuire Mormon, that large restaurant group that I worked in in Austin, there was just kind of like this weird missing quality level of sparkling rosé wine mm. that you could put by the glass. Mm-hmm. You know, and for me, I was just like, OK, well, this is the wine that makes everyone happy. You never have one glass. Like, I don't really oh, know. Oh, amen. Right? <laughs> yeah. The, people have one glass of Cabernet. Like, it's heavy yeah. and broody and, you know. Sparkling like, Rosé comes out when there's a real reason to celebrate, as far as I'm it's, concerned. It even exactly. or becomes a celebration in and of yeah. itself, as far as I'm yes. concerned. And there's a lot of not good ones out there. <laughs> there is. You're absolutely That's right. That's true. You're absolutely yeah. right. But it's like, but everyone wants one. And I was like, what is happening? So there was just like a huge gap. I'm not saying that there are bad ones. But it was either a gap of like just price point, you know, understanding like it was either too low or too high for that by the glass 
kind of option where people are like, I feel great spending twelve to sixteen dollars on a glass of sparkling rose, and I'm gonna get another one. Nobody just has one, and I was like, this is the most brilliant like thing on the planet. Like I'm just noticing that everyone buys a second glass. And then they move on to a different wine or they're like, you know, I bought this glass and I loved it. Let's just get a bottle. Like it just made everyone yeah. happy. And that's what you yeah. want to do in hospitality. Um, and also, you know, surprise, surprise. It's also what I drink <laughs> to start my meal too. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was going to say, so to me, I'm like, I feel like you're hearing more and more about this with restaurateurs and folks creating, taking some really like finding the gaps or taking some really hot products and then turning it into these CPG products or thinking outside of the box, you know, to, to come up with these new opportunities. Do you think that that's something we're going to see more of as, as, as time goes on? Because I feel like, especially during the pandemic, when people had to package their things and create these boxed items that people could pick up, that seemed to really like light the match there. And I wonder if, what, what mm -hmm. your thoughts are in the future of that. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Like, yes, 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 and yes. But at the same time, like, logistical nightmare. Yeah. Like, having oh, yeah. having a third-party packager is, like, mm, it's hard for quality mm -hmm. and your identity to shine through, but then you can't mail from certain places. So I think, you know, people starting small and then seeing how that grows is what's going to happen. And organically, these CPGs are going to explode from independent restaurants. Hopefully, like the partnerships with whomever they do find for either funding or packaging, et cetera, will be good for yeah. them. I, that's the most important thing. It, thing is really making sure that you understand the logistics and not being afraid to ask the questions of the unknown. Because, I mean, I, I went deep into importing and like I uh, thankfully yeah. have a partner founder who had been in imports uh, for wine for 20 years to help that is, me a, that is a beast i was gonna say right? it's, oh, it's so, consumer package yeah. goods is one thing let alone alcohol and importing that's a whole yeah. oh, other importing it's so yeah. hard. a mess it's a mess and i'm just so happy to be with our, we my wine was um picked up by a wonderful importer called the sorting table and they have such great other wineries that you see how happy these wineries are and i'm like oh i am definitely in the <laughs> You know, they care, they care about everything. Yeah. Like it's, it's really great. It's not just like, let's move some containers, make some money, go, 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 go. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, and, and there are say, a lot of people like that. Well, yeah, I was going to say, it seems like for some of these people, they think it's passive income. And then you realize that like, no, this is, it's a full-time job to try to get this stuff up and going. Like if you have great help, then you can maybe yeah. kind of hum along once it's set up. But God, does it work, yes. right? I'm, it's so I'm much I'm really work. happy that you've had such, a, I'm going to have to go try to find a bot. I don't know if you're, you're. If you're in New York, but I'm gonna try to find a bottle. Uh, not yet, not yet. Not so, yet. Okay. so that's the thing. So we we've done this for six years, and we've really you know stayed the course of just creating enough wine for Texas. And mm. then I had opened a restaurant in Colorado, so I was in Colorado. And then um, I had a friend in uh, Florida that was like, "I have to do this," and I was like, oh, "Okay, here we go." You got so two of the biggest markets in the country there already. So exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> So this is the year where we're actually launching more states. So like New York, California. Um, I really want to do North and South Carolina because I love it there. Uh, so there's New Orleans. Absolutely. Like it's right down the street. Like, why wouldn't it be there? Sounds like a fun um, phase. So, yeah, it's yeah. a really exciting phase because, I mean, this is really something that has helped um, the restaurants mm -hmm. that that I've 
opened and have opened with people, but it's I've never had I don't think I've ever had the guts to like really go for it. And so Ooh, I am. And now you're, you're like, like, look at all that I can, look at what I can do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll yeah. see. We'll see. Yeah. Um, so I'm really, I'm, again, I'm very excited to try this wine too, but, uh, before we start wrapping things up, I also wanted to ask you about something else. Um, I hear that you're very heavily involved in the Southern Smoke Foundation, uh, which is a great yes. organization and we've written about it here at Back of House. Could you tell us a little bit about that mission and why it resonates with you so much? Oh my God. Absolutely. I mean, I feel like the industry itself is just a scrappy industry, especially when it comes to independent restaurants and hospitality in general. A lot of people just fall into it. Um, and sometimes you can lose your individuality, honestly, um, and you just need a little bit of help. And it's not an industry that's known for healthcare benefits. It's not an industry that's known for protecting your mental health. Also not an industry known for just being mentally healthy in general because yeah, of the unfortunately not. type of yeah. hours that you work. Right. Yeah. But at the same time, we love it, right? There's an addictiveness about hospitality that we all love and we keep coming back to. Um, so it just needs a little help and a little support. And Chris Shepard founded it with his wife, Lindsay. Um, and they're dear, dear friends. And they asked me to be on the board. And I was like, that's so amazing like absolutely but essentially what it is it is need based money giving like it's not like do this thing and then we'll do this thing or like we'll feed you a family meal kit which are all amazing it's literally like i cannot pay my bills because my company doesn't have pto it's mm. not because they're bad it's just because it's not part of the industry right right i had covid I was out for 14 days, I work shifts, I work money, I need to pay my bills, my car was impounded, et cetera. Everyone has gone through that and you fill out like the need-based form online, you speak to a human, and then we deposit money into your account. It sounds pretty great. Very, yeah, it's, and it sounds, honestly, I will say this, like a lot of people are like, that sounds bonkers, it's too good to be true. Yeah. Like, what do you need from me? And it really was just founded for need-based security for people in the hospitality industry by someone who realized, again, like what we've been talking about, it wasn't there. Right. It's not necessarily broken. Like, it just hasn't happened yet, so we need a little bit of support until we figure out as an industry how to do it. Yeah. And there are people, I mean, even, I'll, I'll put this out there, like we do provide, at our company, we're very lucky, we provide major medical health benefits, but who provides dental insurance? Like, it's crappy, yeah. no matter where it is. It's American dental insurance. Right. So we had, we had this employee who had just like a dental issue and no matter what, you could be like completely secure and have amazing PTO, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But like, nobody just had good dental insurance and it was an emergency. And so she was able to get support for that. So there's just things like that. And it's, growing at like the pandemic changed it completely and it's growing as a foundation um you know we're looking at like mental health uh, programming with universities at specific states we're looking at um legal help so a lot of people don't know how to like they get get screwed on real estate mm -hmm. on you know company terms etc and like you get scared to ask your friends because it puts you in a place of vulnerability. So here's here's a place where you can call somebody who's there to do it pro bono. So it's really, really growing. It's really awesome. I'm really proud to be a part of it. 
And the festival is dope as hell. <laughs> that sounds, yeah. <laughs> we all love a good party. I honestly, I, I mean, seriously, we were right next to Chris Bianco, and I was literally just like swapping Riesling for Chris Bianco pizza. I was just like, <laughs> uh, oh, it's Riesling. That's a good swap. Yeah, it's, he was happy. I was happy. It was yeah. great. <laughs> Um, sounds like we really do have to come and hang out with you. That's just like all the fun stuff, you know? <laughs> I know, I know. I, well, before I got, before my internet kicked me off there for a second, what I was going to say was, I love how you're tactical, you're found, the foundation is and how it's really like, this is exactly what we're going to do. This is exactly how we're going to help you versus, oh, here's, here's some, here's like a stipend for this or that, or here's like speaking in generalities, but it's like, no, you need it like right now and you need it for this exact purpose. We're going to provide that for you. So I think I think that's really interesting, and um, and I really hope that it uh, continues to be to be really successful and helps a lot of people. So yeah, thank you, thank you. Thank yeah, so kind of a wrap up question here. I we always love to ask a future question, um, and what Ooh, okay. I know, like just well, don't worry, we won't trip you up here. Just more in general, like what excites you about the hospitality industry? I feel like we've gone through so much these last these last few years, and it sounds like, and you've obviously done a lot over the last few years as well. Um, what excites you about the future? Where do you see the industry going in the next in the next few years? Ooh, so many things. Yeah. Um, yeah, so many things. Quite frankly, I honestly, right now, I have been the most excited. No offense to you, Zach, about meeting all these amazing women Woo! in the hospitality industry. Yeah. Um, I'm all I have for that. just been. I've, yeah, <laughs> I've had the pleasure of like doing a couple events with women entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. and I mean, honestly, it's weird, like. Women don't say like, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a CEO. Like that's like not something that we shout from the rooftops. Yeah. Like we just kind of like go do our thing and like, you know, clean the bathrooms after someone puked in them. Uh, like that's kind of what, that's what yeah, we do. Yeah, part of the job. Not saying that, Zach, you don't do it, but Zach's like, generally. Zach's like, I've done it a couple of times. Honestly, but, like, I've you know, cleaned up the puke. <laughs> yes, yes, same, 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 same. And so I have had the pleasure of being part of like James Beard Foundation Well Program recently where I just met all these women entrepreneurs that were willing to be vulnerable and help each other. Oh, it was like life changing. Yeah. Life changing. And it expands the community. Like what I'm seeing more of is, you know, a lot of times I had been pigeonholed as a master sommelier. Mm -hmm. So people just wanted to talk about wine. And it was kind of frustrating because before that I was a, you know, master sommelier and people thought I was the host. And I was like, okay, well one day people are gonna really look at me as an entrepreneur yeah I but it's the realization that a lot of us don't lean into it like i don't even when i say it i'm like that sounds so gross to say <laughs> <laughs> and i don't know why i mean what is the title the that background... clearly suits you i mean it's like it is what you are yeah You've, but you know what man. Element in... <laughs> yeah but you know what though humility feeds the bliss so i'm kind of like eh don't don't lose it you know <laughs> You know, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm like, I'm like, Ugh. I mean, it's I feel I like feel itchy. Like I need like to put more deodorant on after this for like saying all those things. You know, I mean, seriously. The only reason I do like, deodorant okay, I is stress sweat after these things. You know, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like being around people who were just like so engaged in it and helping and being like, yes, you okay? I don't know that shit. Yeah, you don't know that. Whatever. And we we're just like, yeah, we don't know shit because we're in the restaurant industry. Yeah. And the government just papooed us. Let's help each other. It has been amazing. Yeah. Amazing. So I think it's just, it's become more expansive mm -hmm. and more collaborative. Like, I love seeing the not just like front of house, back of house get together. I think that's 
thinking too small, right? Like seeing people who are leaning into like women owned construction companies that help, you know, the restaurant industry, right. architectural design, like design in general, graphic design, wine, like wine labeling, compliance, law, like insurance, all of those things mm -hmm. like has been amazing. And I think just continuing to talk about it is the most important thing and making sure that you're making those connections. But that's what I'm most excited about. It's been a really hard three years, but I don't think I would have met half the people that I have. Yeah. Through Zoom. <laughs> still though. Yeah. Still. Yeah. No, good yeah. answer. I starting starting to be starting to be in person. Which is yeah, I'll say that that has been a nice thing for all of us. So well, thank you, June. I appreciate it. And um, we really look forward to to watching your continued success. Um, but before you go, we have a little thing called the tasting menu here at the end of the show. It's three really quick questions. First thing that comes to mind. First question, country you'd like to, country you would most like to visit? South Africa. Mm, I've never been. Oh, wow. Me neither. Heard it's beautiful. Yeah, me too. Good wine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All the above. A little bit edgy. Yeah. I like all of those yeah. things. <laughs> Most memorable bottle of wine you've ever opened. Yikes. That one is so hard. I, know, right? um, I was like, that one's the doozy. Save that yeah, one for the middle. I know. Yeah. I know. Okay. Honestly, I'll, I'll say that I just got to, I went to Mexico mm -hmm. City. You don't expect to get great wine. And I met this wonderful family there. And he had two bottles of 59 Petrus in the cellar wow. and wow. he couldn't sell them he was like selling them to Sotheby's and he couldn't sell them because the label was kind of effed up and so he's like no time like the present wow and and they were magnificent okay they wow magnificent. it was so cool and that is such a flex and really rude to say but it was it was really cool no, no. <laughs> context is everything in the in the measure of a great wine i feel that's like there's right. like great wine and there's great wine in the perfect moment and the good yes. memory and i feel yes. like that's like yeah a hundred percent hundred percent okay like not just one but two come on i mean oh wait you drink them both oh yeah he was oh. like this is pretty good we should just go ahead and open the second oh, one so he was, was really like, enjoying it Jake. and you were enjoying it oh, oh. i love that yeah i thought it was just one Oh, that's incredible. <laughs> I'm glad you clarified. Okay. For context, it was not just the two of us. It was a party of like eight <laughs> okay. people. I mean, even if it was Very the two fair. of you, I would have been like, hey, I still love yeah. it. But okay. Yeah. You, were getting, you were getting a sip then. So two, two yeah. is reasonable then. That's, like, that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Um, okay. Mm, I could ask this last one. The last one is the technology you the last one is technology you can't live without. But the other one I kind of wanted to ask you was you said you did a lot of cooking growing up, and I wanted to know what the most memorable dish was that you made or that you said you you said you did it with your grandmother. Is, it, is that right? Yeah. So we always make we always make. I actually had it last night. My husband's been trying to make yeah. it, and he always does it different. But we always made chicken adobo. It's like the national drip uh, dish of the Philippines. Yes. Every family does it differently. Like everyone like spits on the other family's like decisions. It's really weird. They're just like, oh, it's too much. Yeah, yeah. But that is the meal that you make that's super easy. Like you make it with your grandma. You can forget about it on the pot, et cetera. It's so delicious. It's just soy vinegar and chicken and bay leaves. But it's Sounds like how you though. do it. It's probably There's probably a bunch of yeah. little, little secrets involved and exactly how it all exactly. goes in. Yeah, love that. All right. Exactly. Well, thank you again, June. It was great having you on the show today.
Thank you. June, it was so great was talking amazing. with you. I, I meant I'm, I will make good on my thread. I'm coming to Houston. We're going to hang out. So yeah. thank you so much for chatting with us. We really appreciate it. <laughs> Want to hear more listeners? Then you need to head to backofhouse.io, where you can find the latest on restaurant technology, food service industry news, a ton of free how-to guides, like how to digitize your space, how to work with food influencers, the latest on restaurant relief, and more interviews with industry experts. And while you're there, definitely remember to sign up for their free weekly newsletter, eat.news. Back of House has a team of food service industry writers and journalists who cut through the noise and give you the headlines that you really need to see each week. This is honestly one of the best weekly food service focused newsletters I've ever read or seen, and I wouldn't say that if it weren't true. Follow us on Twitter at BOH underscore podcast and at We Are Back of House on all other platforms. 